It's Puff Puff Movie Pass. It's a uh, it's a sub podcast. You might call it, uh, you might fellas, you might call it the uh, the stems and seeds of oh. the tri love of the main tri love feed. He's taking off his headphones. A, a, a separate strain, away. if you will. It's a separate strain of tri love. Oh boy, it's a sub podcast <gasps> within the tri love feed, wherein uh, you're going to hear us talk about movies that are actually in theaters now, more than one theater, so to speak. Uh, current run, if we can. Uh, before we get into the discussion, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Jason Daphnis. Smoked weed once in my life, August eighth of twenty eleven. I uh, fell asleep, and that was it. Um, uh, that, I'm I'm one of your hosts and a producer. Uh, I'm Cody Narvison. Uh, the pandemic has kind of ruined my weed imbibing tendencies and habits my last main marijuana event uh capital m capital e was uh i I took an edible while i was cat sitting cat and i watched the live action tom and jerry uh seeing colin jost in that movie spooked me um, to sobriety and i went to bed at 10 30 p.m you can find me on twitter at cody underscore bh should we? I mean, this is the inaugural episode. Are you a guest, or are you just part well, of it? Yeah, I, I mean, if this continues, I would love to be a recurring. Yeah, Hell yeah, uh, the the third host. You heard it here first. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess um, nascent host and former guest of honor on Dry Love uh, Zazerati. Uh, I guess we're also sharing our weed diaries. Uh, sure, I <laughs> I definitely have also tapered off in in my my smonking frequency but i think maybe two or three months ago i was playing Fortnite with one of my friends from indiana uh and i was like oh yeah why don't i uh smoke this bowl that is so old it has dust on it and <laughs> I, I i don't know if that killed the vibe or, or made me <laughs> even higher but uh you can find me online uh at snzerati Sensorati everywhere. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Try Love Podcast. Get in touch there. Uh, mention this if if you if you want. Um, again, it's a pretty experimental uh, feed. Bear with us as we as we go through this. Um, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, it is not intentionally aligned with, but coincidentally aligned with the uh, incoming legalization of recreational marijuana in the state of Minnesota, where all three of us currently reside. Um, so, Hey, maybe there's a fun tie in. Maybe we get some cool hashtags going. What hashtags should we use to try and promote this episode? Legalize hashtag it? is right. Oh, oh fuck. It might just be that. Just, it should also be noted. It, it, this rubs up against the, the budding legalization of movie pass once again. Oh um, yeah. Which isn't to say that all these movies, um, we saw using movie pass. Some of these we'll get into it. We needed to get tickets in advance because they're so darn popular, but that was kind of, I don't know, part of the inspiration for this, right? Is like, mm-hmm. you know, 
movie pass makes us want to see uh movies in in theaters a little more actively just so we can get our money's worth uh, um yeah it was cool I think name it, for a sideshow yeah i think it came about um just a bad pun but i think it became about because mm. of we realized in the summer there were going to be at least a couple of movies that we all wanted to keep a breath <laughs> we all wanted to keep abreast of hell yeah that uh that we have like movie pass the magic of it back in 2017 was that it allowed you to just 2017 18 that it allowed you to go see shit you might not normally see or you it encourages you to go at a different time of day it's different now i'm not going to give you the movie pass spiel now um but it's different now and it's got more limited use cases and a different pricing structure that's going to make it a little bit less i don't know it, it, it enables me to be a little bit more choosy or it forces me to be a little bit more choosy i think seth you actually downgraded your subscription recently right because you just simply weren't seeing enough movies yeah i mean basically it is exactly what you said they rolled out you know that credit structure and i found myself like i'm still not interested in watching you know these terrible like amazon studio produced uh charlie day film what was that i wasn't gonna um, watch that fool's paradise yeah i wasn't gonna watch that sorry sorry charlie day love your love your other stuff uh <laughs> but uh i i did still like have an itch to be scratched uh and obviously uh it's a lot lower barrier to entry with my other movie pass subscribing friends uh to not, you know, have to consider the emotional impact of spending $15 to see mm-hmm. one of the movies we're going to talk about or any of the three movies we're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, it's 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 been a ride. Um, it has worked for me for one. None of these movies, actually, incidentally. Uh, but we have in order of chronological release. You've already seen it from the title of this episode. In order of chronological release, we're going to talk about Fast X, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse uh, and Transformers rise of the beasts uh they're all doing <laughs> crazy hand motions i don't know did you transformers kind of was that that one was tough the other ones were a little more straightforward <laughs> in, in in my hands i was like maybe i can do an autobot picture and i was like no i can't <laughs> you're trying to do the symbol for autobots yeah like yeah the devil-y I, I can face. do that one with like Rah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you could. I didn't know you could do that with your fingers, Seth. You're more than meets the eye. Whoa, that's not the movie we're talking about, uh, Seth. What would you do if I asked you to describe to to make a pictograph of Fast Fast X, oh, uh, potentially that, part one? That's what I did. Okay, Fast X. Uh, he's he's doing the like like a not uh, Wakanda Forever thing, sort of like no, that's separated from his body. That's uh, that's the Those beginning are... of like the DX chop. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Those are kind of antithetical movies, Black Panther and Fast X. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to explore that thread too aggressively. No, we can move more. on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, th- see, the thing about that. <laughs> you heard it here Co- first, folks. Co- Incredible. <laughs> we have, um, we're going to try uh, structuring this because it's 9 p.m. We're going to try structuring this around a quick puff, puff, pass. Two things that you enjoyed about the movie being your puffs, things you just want to get more of you want to bogart it down to the stubby and then one pass you something you don't mind letting go uh so two things two uh, two good things one uh not good one bad good thing um about fast x uh cody i'll call on you first uh what were your puff at puff and pass for this movie yeah yeah and the camera turns to me just like i'm in a, a certain circle in that 70s show or something like that uh yeah let's let's do it puff 
this franchise continuing to make every character into an action star, seeing the likes of uh, Jordana Brewster and Charlize Theron beat people up. Really good fun. I love that particular part of this franchise's evolution. Puff, uh, we've lost Kurt Russell to this franchise, at least up to the, you know, at least so far. Um, spoilers, but Brie Larson infusing the franchise again with that sort of fun, aloof swagger that Mr. Nobody's character brought. Um, she picked that up and ran with it. She was a lot of fun in this movie. And Pass, um, I'm still debating whether or not it's an issue with Momoa or the franchise's utilization of Momoa. He was pretty hit, hit or miss for me. Um, he kind of rubbed up against old crusty Vin Diesel's energy in like not necessarily a great way and more than just like, oh, they're foils for each other kind of way. Um, so that's, I, I'm still kind of wrestling with that, but that's, that's my pass for Fast X. All right. I need to jump in here because I have a reverse puff, puff pass. Ooh, he's, blowing, your he's puff, blowing puff smoke. Passing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I just want to jump back really quick to establish our street cred. It's not a stubby, Jason. It's a roach. You smoke down <laughs> to the roach. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, I did now, claim to be an expert in this. Yeah. Now, now that we have established that we are cool, uh, puff for me was Jason Momoa's performance uh, as the villain. Um, you know, the, obviously the series is oscillated in like how self-serious it pretends or portends to be. Uh, but I think especially probably, uh, let's say fast eight fate of the furious on is when everybody was like, okay, we have jumped the shark multiple times. We, we have jumped over Henry Winkler jumping the shark. Uh, and so having Jason Momoa just like having his manic energy, uh, we've we've all shared the clip of Momoa's like painfully ADR'd line where he's like <laughs> ballet leaping through the air. I loved that. Uh, here we go. Like, here we go. Uh, <laughs> loved it. Um, I was there for it. And then I'm going to hit the next puff really quick and then jump back to it. Uh, next puff was the Jacob Toretto BC plot line where he's road tripping with uh, Dom's son. Uh, Lil B. Yeah, Lil B. Uh, something straight out of a decop. It reminded me a lot of the Disney movie, The uh, no, not The Rookie, The Natural. No, what's the one? What's the one where Bruce Willis and Spencer Breslin? That would be Disney's The Kid, not the a baseball kid. movie, but a Disney not, movie yeah. for sure. Okay, but a Disney Road movie. Uh, also, Disney's The Kid rules. Yeah, uh, it it's, gave me you know that it's vibes. nine p.m. We're getting right. there. And then my pass was Vin Diesel. Like Vin Diesel in this movie, I I waffled back and forth. I'm like, is this a hot take to 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 take down the 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 paragon of this series but really i think just like it it is a plot element in the movies that the other villains manipulate him spoilers uh by him being the exact same person that everybody is family that every like he sees the good in everybody it you know i guess i'm one to talk like i like dragon ball z you know but i like goku way more than i like dom toretto so uh yeah my my puff my puff my past just to encapsulate it momo's performance puff jacob's bc road movie plot puff vin diesel pass you wanted to come back to your second puff uh lil b and john cena 
I ended up just explaining it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's how this works. It's 9 p.m. It is 9 p.m. As he says. (laughs) There it is. There it is. I, I, I too have a puff, a puff and a pass. My puff. Um, I, I, I'll wait. My second puff blowing up the Vatican. Good. Very good. That's just fucking good. That was, I think that was a good scene. It's, you could complain all day that these scenes are like over CGI and they've got very little stakes. If you feel stakes or drama in this movie, you're like probably watching the wrong thing. You're just going to have, even if you went backward in time to when there were less visual effects, which when it was more like a grounded thing, you're not probably going to get that in any legitimate manner. So I think as long as we're doing that, let's blow up the Vatican with, with a round nuke. I think that's, I think that's like the stakes there being just like beyond somehow beyond going to space and dying in a in an old chivette or whatever they're they're in in nine wonderful a wonderful way to, to up the ante up the stakes uh dominic toretto protecting his catholicism with his car i just love the very concept that we've brought his religion back into the series um until the very like one of the very final shots of this movie where the cgi like the cross on his neck just flies out toward the center of the screen it's so it's so something uh my uh pass is that like there is in isolation, those things are really fucking good, but there's just so much going on in this movie from a, like a plot standpoint. Neither of you mentioned the whole Charlize Theron, uh, Michelle Rodriguez thing. It's great. I love, I love that, that goofiness. I love that vibe. Um, it is just, it belongs maybe in a less bloated movie. There's just a lot of things going on here. You could complain all day about plot and about like how, uh, you know, things don't really matter to the uh, story itself. I think just in any given moment, you're expected to remember what's going on in three or four different, like equally important, equally weighted scenes, according to the movie. So it's just a bad prioritization thing. Um, I think there was that tweet about Charlize Theron and Michelle Rodriguez saying that they uh, directed one of their own action scenes, which I don't know if that's true or not. I couldn't personally, I couldn't tell many seams. Maybe that's a knock against it. Maybe that's a knock for it. But um, I think like that probably spreads throughout the movie where it's like none of these things feel like they have priority as long as they're also bizarre and insane. Uh, and uh, the only reason I passed my first puff is because it's more of a spliff. It's more of Jason Momoa. I'm 50, 50 on him in this movie. I really, I loved when he was like on, and then it just dips into that Cody. You might want to go off video for this one. It dips into that, like far cry for whatever that guy's name was sort of like our, our bad guy is effeminate and that's what makes him bad. And here's how, you know, he's bad. It's like, it's just a goof, like there's a bunch of uh, strange signaling of him being a bad guy that he just plays a little bit more effect than a lot of characters in the movie. I think that's just, it, it's not like, I'm not going to be the woke police about any of this, but it just is not like, it doesn't ring true to like the spirit of what I think they were trying to get at. They're using cheap, low hanging fruit for that. And I think it just kind of yucks my yum for a moment. Um, but his actual performance, his dedication to it. Love that shit. He just seems to be having so much fun. He seems like he's wanted to be in these movies for 25 years and he finally got to be in one. And he's like a kid who got a shopping spree at Toys R Us in 1994 from Nickelodeon. He's just there to have fun and to get his paycheck in. I fucking love that so much. Um, I got a couple of hands up about these puff puff passes. So uh, Seth, I think yours was up first. Yeah. the Just the one thing I do remember when you mentioned the Charlize Theron, Michelle Rodriguez bits and how disjointed everything sounds. We saw this together in the theater and we remarked that like there is a fight scene between the two of them where it ends this, like with Michelle Rodriguez doing like a leaping Superman punch to Charlize Theron's character. And Charlize Theron, like you see the hit, you see her fall, and then the scene ends. 
And like, <laughs> it goes to a completely different story thread. She's and we dead. were, just, we literally were like, is she dead? Like, <laughs> did, did Michelle Rodriguez just kill her with that Superman punch? <laughs> because like, you are not clearly establishing like resolution and introduction to all of these different sequences. Uh, yeah, it really was just like sensory overload. Um, and in some ways, like, yes, that is the truest spirit of, of the Fast and Furious franchise. In other ways, it just feels like a bad drug trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, unfortunately, the house always wins on that. You know, it's always like, if, it lo- if it's bad, no, it's not. It's Fast and Furious. Right. In this case, especially because you know who lives in a, in a house sometimes is a, is a family. Uh, this franchise. Correct. Um, families smoke weed all the time as well. Yeah, no, I, I think what we're getting to, if there is a consensus here, is that uh, the Fast and Furious franchise is a mess. Uh, sometimes it's a pretty, a pretty darn good fun mess. This movie is a mess for sure. And I think like one of the ways in which the mess can really work is when like at its best, this movie spreads out and has like nooks and crannies in which different personalities and, and sub subplots can kind of cook and do their own thing. Um, sometimes they don't get past much of a, of a simmer, but in some cases like that, that subplot with, um, with John Cena's character and, and Lil B, I'm not going to remember John Cena's character's name, uh, J- Jacob, Jacob, Jacob Toretto. Look at that. Look at that. It's it's 9:20 p.m. on a Thursday. I'm I'm cooking now. But like the fact that that John Cena in the last movie is is like a good antagonist, a, le- a, a less vibrant protagonist, but when he's on his own, he's able to kind of do his own thing with this with this child, you know, with this child uh, you know, co-pilot basically for his stretch of the movie. I feel like as I, again, I think as good as Momoa probably is in a vacuum, and there were scenes where I was really eating his shtick up. He's just too vibrant for Potato Man Vin Diesel. Like it was just too much. That's for me. true. Like, That's too true. big of a disparity. Um, I think if Momoa was maybe paired with somebody else, um, like a different grouping of characters that were w- there's like a little, little less of a distance, um, you know, a, less of a gap to bridge, perhaps. Um, but just like Vin Diesel facing off against a sprightly charismatic momoa is just like man that's that's so far yeah. i pulled both of my hammies stretching for this um maybe <laughs> maybe that's where i'm coming from obviously everybody's mileage may vary i think he's again i think he's he's probably fine in this it's just like the way in which he was leveraged just really got to me sometimes uh in not a good way i'm going to propose a trade sure uh villain trade jason momoa's character in fast x for Cole Hauser's villain in Too Fast, Too Furious. They swap. Now Jason Momoa is paired against Roman Pierce and Brian O'Connor. And John Singleton's much more colorful, much more, you know, sleek, glossy, Too Fast, Too Furious. And a much more demure sort of straight-laced villain in Cole Hauser. But has, you know, that Miami flair is going against Dominic potato toretto seth i'm gonna be straight with you i think that's a fantastic trade benefits yeah. both sides everybody benefits it's a classic win-win scenario and win 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 because we win too i i'm not sure it would make fast x a better movie because i think like cody said it's it's a mess it's a it's a land of contrast as they say and it's just like it would not i don't know how much it works right now but i think it works even less if you shift around the pieces like it's a it's 
you can turn off your camera again, Cody. It's like when you're making signs for Addison in uh, in Tears of the Kingdom, and it's like you find the shittiest solution to the simplest problem, and it fucking works. And if mm. you change a single goddamn thing about it, yeah, you're fucked. Don't rotate I think, it. I, I think I think that's fast. I do like how you guys' puffs and pass um, were like uh, uh, they 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 served each other. Like the fact that Vin, it makes me wonder does does Vin Diesel even like this anymore? <laughs> like. He seems to be the one who's having the least amount of fun. And I don't know if that's because he's like so committed to the character as like a serious uh, straight man to everything. Or if he like is now looking for a way out of this, I can't, I'm not sure from a business sense, uh, yeah. probably not, but right. No, I mean, I think about that, that one video that was viral for like a day or whatever, all of them clearly whatever was coked out um, reading between the lines on the red carpet. I think Vin Diesel likes being like being a part of these movies actually like the actual labor is probably that's like you know we're we're past that he's probably pretty jammed to that part (laughs) at this point just 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 a guess i don't know like doing those movies for a couple of decades probably does a lot um to the body the mind the soul but then you see them on the red carpet clearly they enjoy being a part of this Mm -hmm. fast and furious family fff uh, if if we may, so yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I, the next one comes out, and I'll I'm gonna twist my arm. I'll probably go watch it. Oh I'll, yeah, I'll on this. I think it's gonna start with a. I'm calling my shot now. I think it's I think it's gonna start with a flashback to where it all began, and I think we're gonna get, we, that's where we're gonna get the uncomfortable, either implied or direct CGI of Paul Walker. I think the beginning of this next movie, of mm-hmm. part two of X, part two of as they call uh, Final Fantasies, they call them X two. This one X two. Um, I was going to say X2 Family United. X2 Family United. <laughs> uh, speaking of families united and broken, uh, we have another movie that we're discussing as part of this. Next in the chronological release calendar from earlier this year, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, sequel to the 2018 animated film, uh, widely lauded for its visual presentation, for its sort of uh, uh, atypical um, uh, against the canon uh, Spider-Man type thing. Um, I need, uh, I'm going to start with Seth this time. I'm going to start with your puff, puff and pass for this. We saw this together. Um, just, uh, I guess near release, like the day after, right? Yeah. Opening weekend for sure. Um, the first puff, you know, this is, this is the, uh, Hey guys, should we listen to dark side of the moon? Like this is going to be the most normie puff of all time, but, uh, the elevation in just like the cinematic art styles uh, of the different Spider-Verse characters. It, it totally worked for me. Uh, I'm breaking no ground world's coldest take, but like just seeing all the, like I had so much fun just seeing both the characters and even just like when um, the spot uh, was warping through dimensions and you were just seeing like the little Lego Spider-Man bit or even, you know, ham fisted as it was like oh he pops up and oh that's the cashier from the venom movie so like what's going on uh all of that stuff was it was fun they had a good time with it uh the second puff uh this one uh is a little bit more personal to me but uh just the growing presence of like latino protagonists and characters in movies not defined by their latinoness uh that that felt good and like honestly just the moment where miles morales is introduced to miguel o'hara and starts speaking spanish to him and then miguel o'hara responds back and like 
I just I just got the warm and fuzzies from that. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is this is nice. This is is this what representation feels like? I think I think it is. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think how you felt watching that. So I feel watching Hercules. Disney's Hercules <laughs> every single time. Yeah. Uh, and then the pass. Um, I guess this this one I, I'm having a hard time sort of. Uh, yeah. expressing it, but the split, um, I, I guess by the time we release this, we'll be far enough away that this won't venture into spoiler territory. But the spoilers the movie, for all of these, if you're yeah. listening to this, just yes. like yeah. the names Call of the movies now. are in the title. Yeah. This is your own fault. I'm giving you like, a we're three second, about these. two, one. Okay, so like it ends on a cliffhanger, right? And the cliffhanger is not what I had a problem with. The this is one I sat and thought about, but like, if this is all setting up to the stakes are, uh, like, to be Spider-Man means you need to, like, let your father die, uh, because there's this whole setup of like, oh, these are canon events, uh, but Miles, you're this, you're this aberration, uh, but then it's like, oh, you don't have an Uncle Ben character, but you're you end up having an uncle Ben character uh, and it ends up being the thing that legitimizes your identity. I, I guess like this idea, I maybe it's brushing elbows too much with like identity politics to me, but like this whole like, Oh, sacrifice is inextricably linked to identity. Just out of however realistic, complete sidebar like the closest thing i can relate to this is how i felt about parasite it's like this is fantastic movie it has a lot of themes i just don't like the themes so it it grates me i i see where you're coming from with uh like what it's setting up i worried the same until near the very end where it was like okay this is another twist in the in the blanket twist in the blanket i am really exuded completely That's gone off, p.m yeah, i'm wait, completely wait, wait. gone off this off the paste over here i am like there's i worried that that was where they were going that that, that the setup was going to be like him continue like the movie was going to the next movie is going to be his i guess i'm leading into my um my my things my apologies breaking format a little bit here uh i i there's a legitimacy to that worry that i think i was able to let go of by the end of this movie because uh i think they are like in as i guess the 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 distance in like the sort of narrative it wants to tell from the first movie to the second movie where the first one was all um you know you get to determine what spider-man is who spider-man is uh, anyone can wear the mask there is no prescriptive ideal and it was like okay that's the message of this movie and then this movie was like what if it wasn't what if still like people still insist that there's a prescriptive way to be like a hero to be anything to be black and latino to be spider-man to be anything you know what if there is still that recurring theme? What if people still think that, believe that? What if people still put those expectations upon you? What if people come from other dimensions to put those expectations upon you? Uh, and the distance, I think, from the first movie to the second movie in ter terms of message did not need to go far. It was just like how it expressed it, where it like explored those ideas. The characters through which it explored those ideas, I think a lot of the work with Gwen is really, really good in this movie. Um, I guess those are our two main characters, so who knows how much more they wanted to explore those through other characters. But uh, And I think if they're trying to go for a narrative edge that sort of like pace it keeps pace with these two. I think they just keep hitting that same message of like, okay, so miles is again, spoiler territory. Miles is now sort of 
in his in a wrong dimension with a version of himself that could have been he sees like the options there are other problems i think that they could run into i think i trust them at this the film the filmmakers screen screenplay writers um to not uh fall into this trap again not again but to not fall into this trap in a sequel to not make it like look you are uh, you were like a, a disadvantaged young youth black, black youth in new york who um, you know, with just one different life choice, you could have been like a really done a really bad path dr- dealing drugs and being a villain with your uncle. Or I don't know if it's insinuated he's dealing drugs, but getting into bad stuff with your uncle. That is a pitfall I think they could still fall into. I sort of trust them at this point not to. Um, but I think I trust them enough to sort of move the arc forward without changing the core message there to not, I guess, I don't think that in the third one, that his dad will die. I don't think that the canon event will, I think he will be able to avoid it. I think it's now setting up for more traditional ending. Um, that is one of my puffs is that the, I think the narrative that it was able to push was strong enough um, with that while still remaining in the same sphere. Like they realize that's a good enough, deep enough idea that you can attack from so many different angles and they use gigantic sigh emoji. They use the multiverse concept to sell it, but it's one of the smarter and more, I guess, uh, legitimate ways to express, to like explore that idea. Um, two, again, I was just going to sing the praises of the art style again. I think exactly to this point, I can't really say it any better. I think that it just kept it fresh enough moving between different universes and showing us different characters, specifically again, the stuff with Gwen, every background is like, I'm going to say it dumb. It's not actually watercolor, but that like sort of very impressionistic background that keeps changing with each shot. It's like, okay, we know what we're doing. We're going to really ham it up with the art, with the style. We're going to have it for like all the little uh, movie watching sickos who just pay attention to that shit. This is for you. You know, now the background is going to be pink. Now it's going to be like completely contrasting colors. Now it's going to be vertical aligned, like color blocks. Now it's going to be horizontal. Now it's going to be like a Dutch angle. It's really like it is innovative in a way that I, the first movie was in terms of animation, I think in terms of the art style. Now we've sort of like level set with the animation being like the ones and the threes and the smoothness and the choppiness and sort of the cell shading and stuff. That's all table stakes. And they were like, okay, what else can we do? What can we do around the main characters? What can we do that's not focus or shading or whatever? I think the art style just still really pops, really looking forward. No idea what they could possibly do to make it more visually impactful. That ties in with them. the whole like, oh, we've got live action footage here. We've got Lego footage here. Just the variety of like what you actually see in this movie, I think really helps sell the effect of everything that it's trying to push in terms of a quote unquote narrative. Um, my only pass is like, and it's not within the movie. It's just contextual, just something that I feel because I'm uh, a woke wage slave in 2023. But like putting all this stuff about self-determination, self-determinism and like um, the ability to uh, avoid like go counter like the predominant culture and sort of define yourself for yourself and define your metric of success being put up by Marvel, being put up by Disney, the biggest corporation in the world, unavoidable. Somebody had to show this to me and it was going to be the biggest corporation in the world. I cannot legitimately level that against the movie, but it's, it's a pass in terms of like, this is something that I, I couldn't help but see whenever I noticed like other Spider-Mans, the word Marvel, you know, Stan Lee references and stuff. It's just, it's something that still doesn't like make me feel better about watching the movie. But again, it's hard to find passes for this to this movie for me. So I do not envy Cody for what he's about to say to me. Um, are you going to make me hate this movie, Cody? Uh, I don't know. I, I hope not. Um, as I receive this. Oh, nice. We're not quite cashed yet as I bring the the piece to, to my lips. Yeah. Um, puff for me. <laughs> um, I, I like this movie's patience a lot. Um, the best scenes in the movie to me are very patient scenes, largely of dialogue. Um, the ones that have gotten hyped 
not just in this discussion, but on the internet, the one that, that capital T, that scene of, of uh, Gwen and Miles, um, the multiple conversations uh, between Gwen and her father, and also the handful of conversations, uh, conversation scenes between Miles and his parents, as everybody's just trying to like, they're talking around the issue. They very much want to say certain things. They're dancing around it. Uh, and we, we've talked about how the, the art styles sort of reflect that. But like, I could pinpoint in, you know, act one when these conversation scenes would have been cut short by, by lesser movies. Um, I don't want to say lesser enterprises because I don't want to like give Marvel or Sony or whomever props, but just like kudos to them for letting these scenes really breathe and digest. It got to the point where, you know, when we're in the, the, you know, spider verse lobby and meeting all the other Spider-Man, I was oh, this is like almost a low point of the movie. Like I want to, I want to see these people like talk some more and get really into their feelings and see some mm-hmm. really uh, amazing swings at um, at art direction and things like that. So, um, the yeah, the patient, the patience and discipline of the staff putting this movie together to really like make those sequences shine was was really a high point for me. A high point. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what you need to do now? Smoke Take another puff. That's what you need to yeah, do right now. You need to smoke weed every day right now. Another puff for me, uh, a lot of great vocal performances, but Jason Schwartzman as Spot was was fantastic. You could hear, I love how you could hear in his voice, like his inflections, he's, he get, he's getting more and more radicalized throughout the movie. And that really comes through in his performance. I was a huge fan of, of him as Spot. Um, I thought it was going to be like, oh, I I don't know how I don't remember from the trailer how well it was telegraphed that he was going to be like the main villain. I thought it was just yeah, like a, I didn't an it. intro gag, but yeah, just, I love how they built off of that and how he built off that performance. Um, so really great. Um, love what that character became and Jason Schwartzman made it happen. Um, the past for me, it's kind of, I guess like the main sort of critique that again, that yeah, I've seen and any of you would probably see on the internet, just like the fact that this was cut off in the way that it was. I really dug every single um, narrative and emotional air that was added to this. And I would have honestly just rather have watched another 45 minutes to see them wrap everything up. I would have much preferred that the thing that's right. And maybe it's because I'm not as TV brained at this stage in my life. Um, and like cliffhangers are just not like something I will balk at or, or, or rather cliffhangers are something I do balk at and I'm not, or I'm not the type of person that wouldn't balk at them normally because I don't know, cliffhanger season breaks TV. I feel like is more better manufactured for that. Somebody call me out if I'm wrong, but just like the fact that there was this break and there was this cliffhanger and it just felt like we screeched, uh, screeched on the brakes. The brakes screeched. I slammed on the The brakes. The movie slammed on the brakes. Screeched, screeched, head scrapped. Period. I appreciate that. Um, And it, it makes me, it makes me nervous that, the and I maybe me reading tune between the lines. I I almost I <laughs> my knee jerk reaction is that this this first half is so is so good it's so well put together that them pausing to like regroup and churn out a latter half is just not going to be able to measure up. Um, I feel like more often than not that is the case. Uh, I know I'm I'm a I'm just a lowly former humble stats major and I have no actual data to back that up, but. That makes me really nervous that they wouldn't just like wrap up the story now in another 45 minutes. F- fuck, however long they want to make. Like, I'll I'll sit there. I sat there for almost two and a half hours. I loved every minute of it. I would have sat there for as much time again just to see them wrap up the story. Um, so I'm that makes me a little nervous. That's kind of my past, but that's also like deep seated in 
personal like angst and anguish that feeds into my own particular view of art. So um, take that for what you will. Yeah, no, I'm never gonna pass. I'm never gonna pass on you, Cody. Oh, it's always a puff when it comes to to my bro, Cody. Um, I I totally see like, and I I get everybody. You know that I'm gonna try and like rebut it. Um, but I've seen the same criticisms on uh, Twitter. I think it might be suffering from like fast Xism too, which has a legitimately stupid like the, the story will continue cliffhanger. It's the dumbest shit. Um, a bit again like. It's fast, so maybe it's not. Uh, right. For what it's worth, I will go see the latter half, like the second half of this story, yes, as I will yes. see any, you know, Fast X <laughs> Part 2, Part 1, or yeah. Mission Impossible Part 2, Part 1, Part 3, however many of those fuckers they put right. in theaters. I'll see them all because I'm a dirty shit demon. We're, but we're back. That's to why us. we're here. <laughs> dirty shit demon. Um, but I think, and maybe it is because I'm a little bit TV brained, I really did find, like, I was where you're at with the expect your expectations being like rocky about what, like what they could actually do in that. Maybe like that they should have found a way to pinch it off in this second part. I was there before the reveal that, Oh, he's in the wrong dimension. I didn't see that coming. I was along for the ride. I was simple, you know, shaking my rattler and sucking on my binky baby mode. Just watching this movie, having a good time. Goo Gaga. Goo Goo Gaga says the little binky boy. We had, uh, like at, as the, it's starting to slowly reveal, um, you know what's happening, uh, and like the all, all the editing goes crazy, and the sound effect, and the like the whole dour tone of the scene changes, and you realize what's happened uh, toward the end, where now, of course, again, spoiler mode, um, Miles is stuck in the wrong dimension. He's stuck with the version of himself that did not become Spider-Man, uh, and like he incorrectly did, quote unquote, incorrectly did, um. Now, like that was enough for me to be like, okay, so all again, it's like I was saying earlier, all these ideas that the first two movies have been playing with have a new, like interesting wrinkle that I did not foresee happening in the sequel to the first movie. And now I see a little bit more of the foreshadowing. I see a little bit more of the, like, um, the, the breadcrumb trail has been set a little bit. So that it like actually does make me quite excited for how they might, uh, twist things. And I personally, as a like moviegoer, I do not mind the whole, like, Here's another like we're going to split the movie into two parts until it's like this is just a, you know, shameless lame cash grab type thing. But who like if I'm not spending my money on movies, what am I spending it on anyway? Um, And in this case, like I've seen this movie. I saw this movie twice in th- the first movie, twice in theaters, bought it on uh, Blu-ray and everything. I've given it quite a bit of money already, and I'm OK doing that one more time for, you know, the final part of this. Hopefully, I think they've said that it's a trilogy. Um. I am more, I think the same amount that you're worried about, uh, sort of like what, what the split cutoff means, what the cliffhanger means for the larger story, uh, the same amount of that, if you could measure that in a, in some sort of metric, I am like the same amount excited for it. Yeah. So for those of you listening, we're holding up our hands to our webcams. We're doing so I think we can kind of get it about, I think right. I'm having a stroke actually is what this means. Something like that. Oh, I didn't mean to bogart it, Scott. Uh, Seth, did you? Yeah, have? yeah. Uh, let me see if I can spark this back up. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I don't want to rebut the rebut. I think I am with Cody that, like, I was totally in to watch a four-hour movie. Uh, like, I did not feel the duration at all. But I do agree with your point as well that, like, where it is set up, I, I am intrigued. What I do want to know, I think I think I'll pose this as a question rather than just my own opinions. Like in Endgame, 
there is a bit of setup in the beginning of Endgame, uh, where, you know, um, Scott Lang comes back from the quantum realm and they're like, oh, we need to go back in time to do all this. And then I would, you know, the last hour and a half of that movie is all gas, no breaks. It's like, we are doing the time heist. We are get snapping the stones. Oh, Thanos is here. We're fighting Thanos on your left. Avengers assemble the, like he can lift Mjolnir, the whole thing. Uh, and some genuinely thrilling moments, but like, it was also uh, like, I'll say it like the, the, the three man fight between, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and Thanos. That was good. The whole Avengers thing, it had a lot of like emotional impact, but the actual like action that was happening, kind of underwhelming. Would you rather this movie, the third movie, like have this sort of climactic showdown or I feel like if it doesn't do that and it is this more story driven thing, it might be rehashing what it's already established in two or three. And also I just want to say like, save, I don't know, the winter soldier and Shang-Chi, like these Marvel movies kind of have ass action sequences. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I can't, I I can't remember one that was like banging. Um, but I like I, I'm not as bought in on the Marvel machine of things. It's like the standouts. It's the fucking the weird ass Doctor Strange movie that sticks out in my mind as like, oh, that's one that I really, really liked. Um, yeah, I need a moment with that. Cody. Yeah, okay. no, I'll, I'll. Yeah. And as you were posing that, Seth, I my mind was racing uh, to like think of all the the one, two punches. Um, and, you know, I you bringing up, I think, eventually obviously the main difference of like the Avengers ones we knew going in, not that this, I mean, the studio obviously knew as well, but we knew going in that it was going to be Avengers part one, part two, whereas that was, it seemed to be hidden at least. I mean, if that was advertised with Spider-Verse, like I, I had no idea of it. And I feel like mm-hmm. Avengers was more ham fistedly. Like we are gearing up in the first half for that big showdown in the latter half. I don't, I, I think a big showdown in Spider-Verse, the uh, big showdown, and I guess in scare quotes um, for what, I'm going to say next, I feel like that's in that's inevitable, but because of the disparities in how um, Thanos and I guess we'll say spot are, are characterized. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like a big showdown physically, like speak like fight sequences. I'm sure they could do a lot of cool shit with the animation, but getting back to like those patient sequences that I really adored in this movie, like, and the fact that spot is coming from a place of pain and like, we understand, like you can see so clearly, it's so obvious just like where this is coming from. And, you know, like if, if he and, uh, if he and miles just like got a couple of ice cream cones, maybe some fireball shots, they could probably hash this out. Um, the talented, just like, imagine the talented voice acting of Jason Schwartzman, just like seeing the light and being like, okay, it's just like, ah, like I will. I uh, I will be good or I'll sacrifice myself or I'll, I'll throw all the spots into another spot. Um, Ridiculous. But like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I think some sort of like big culmination of something. And now uh, like, I'll I'll pause it there just because I'm thinking of all the different like multiverse of, of ways in which this franchise could ramp up in the second half. But yeah, I don't know. Like it it has to be big. And at this point, like I, I hope it's big unless it pulls off the miraculous, like kill bill volume two, where it's like, 
it's very subdued and that's kind of the point. So yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not directly answering your question. <laughs> it's no, no, that's a lot okay. of shit that I like. I just, I just wanted your thoughts. And Jason, yeah. before you jump in, like the one thing I wanted to say is like I've noticed this growing trend in escalation, right? I don't think it needs to be escalated. Like I think of totally. one of the best Spider-Man fight sequences is Spider-Man 2. Like I'm not again, world's coldest take. Like the subway fight between Doc Ock and Spider-Man is like top scenes in film like not even just comic book movies Hell yeah. so like it can be done like with two characters and and they're doing some you know some monologuing there is like breaths and crests and troughs to that scene so it can be done like yeah jason go off no yeah i i i, I have to i thought you were gonna say spider-man one because the final showdown between uh green goblin norman osborn and and Peter Parker, Spider-Man. We're having fun on this it's, episode. It's Don't a, tell Harry. <laughs> wow. Damn. It is, it is a horror shakalaka. sequence. It, uh, it is, it is uh, that classic Glenn Green Goblin line, boom shakalaka. We, it, it is, it is a horror sequence. So like I, I'm, I'm with both of you that it could be much smaller scale. I'm with Cody specifically that like, it's too radical. I think for this movie, to, for this next movie to really try a non like direct confrontation type, like, a a, a, dis, a discussion a, a long sequence of like i'm literally imagining now and this is just like a doy soy face meme but like what if fucking the dad jefferson no not jefferson, jefferson. yeah yeah jefferson, jefferson davis, davis. Uh, if jefferson davis finds out about the whole multiverse thing finds out about what happened to his son finds out that that he needs to die as part of a canon event and he's like i'll do that for my son i would happily die what happens then what happens to Miles' sense of like himself and his and his purpose and like his ability to self determine and stuff? And it's like, I don't know if you saw that in a fight. Who the fuck are you going to fight? You're going to fight your dad to make sure he doesn't die? Like, that would be really fucking interesting to me. This is making like interesting, cool things, like neat, neat ideas that don't involve like you going to therapy. <clears throat> not not yet. Uh, you know why? Because I've got smoke weed every day. Because we got weed to smoke every day. Um. I don't even know how to transition from there. Uh, speaking of calm, uh, speaking and, of transforming ourselves, uh, speaking of transforming ourselves, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 9 48 PM on a Thursday. The my wheels dudes. are falling off, but we spent a little bit longer on Spider-Man uh, go figure than we spent on fast X. Um, so I do want to transition if we can, we, I want to transform from uh, a person who discusses Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse into a person who discusses transformers, Rise of the Beasts. I gave you each uh, the the scepter for giving your puffs, puffs and passes, and they're handing it back to me. It went from Cody to Seth. It's back to me. Um, at around 45, 46 minutes, we're going to start discussing here. That's actually the timestamp. Uh, we're going to start discussing here. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um, my puff, first puff, Toby Nwigwe. Uh, Toby, Toby Chukwu. Um, I forget his middle name. Nwigwe. Uh, a rapper. Uh, and turned actor. Uh, he was in an apparently successful Netflix series I haven't seen called Mo. Uh, he is the um, like driver uh, hustler character in this movie. Uh, very distinctive presence in a movie. I think he did a fun job. And mostly I'm saying this because I'm proud of myself for recognizing him. Uh, he has sort of a distinctive bushy beard, uh, you know, purposely looking unkempt. He's got a very like over the top display in pretty much everything he does. I loved seeing him. Um, his character is written pretty stock like like an ant-man side character type uh where it's just there for the you know quick 
you know, oh, he's a little bit of a dastard, but he's lovable and he's going to be around for another couple movies. Get to love him kind of thing. But I really liked seeing him in this movie. I had no idea he was an actor. So that's a puff for Toby and Wigway. Um, the location shooting in this movie is like legitimately quite stunning and good. Not to just talk about the form of movies and cinema and stuff, but like before setting a fight on Machu Picchu, that was cool. That was like really cool. It looked really good. And when like you consider the verticality of the thing and the fact that there are ledges to like throw throw bad guys off of and crush skulls against and stuff, it's just it it's cool. It like gets your little '90s kid um, like heart erasing with like cool concept. Like we have just become flattened by DC movies where it's like where is the biggest emptiest parking lot or the biggest empty like stretch of desert land in uh in South Africa? That's where we're going to shoot our final fight scene. And it's like this is garbage. Let's pick some more interesting. This movie, for all the things that it doesn't do, does that well. And it looks really good in its landscape shots. Um, my pass, uh, I, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to say Pete, Pete Davidson fucking sucks. I, I, I cannot stand hearing that. Like people I've, I've, okay. So maybe Cody has a, a good antithetical puff to that. I have heard that people are like praising this performance as like, this is good. He's, he's doing a thing that's like interesting and beyond his normal Ken, um, I find it more grating somehow than his usual, like, uh, no pun intended here, but his usual like stoner slacker thing. I found this more grating because I felt like it was like, like he was pushing himself really hard to make it happen and try and sell it. Um, if you want to hear like the world's most universally hated, uh, white man avoid saying the N word for like 98 minutes, that's what you need. You need to see this movie. He's broing down with, uh, with a Latino guy for the whole movie and he's just, barely dipping into some of the vernacular for just moments at a time. And otherwise, uh, yeah, he's, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that guy. And I don't really like uh, his performance in this movie either. He, he skews me out. He is a common denominator, unfortunately, between this and another movie we discussed, uh, fast X, unfortunately. So is, and I'm forgetting the actress's name. My apologies that the mother character of Noah Davis, is it also Davis of Noah in, uh, transformers, um, the character, excuse me, the woman who plays his mother in this also plays Miles' mom, I think, in uh, Luna Lauren Velez. Is that correct? Am I am I going insane? Am I being a racist again on the podcast? I, uh, um, uh, no, yeah, uh, no, she voices Rio Morales. Yes, um, in, in, in across the Gaudi, yeah. Um, you escaped unscathed this time. This time, uh, I have a few more thoughts about the movie, but they're not structured under the puff puff pass, so I will pass. Uh, Seth. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. Uh, first, first, uh, Puff, this is, uh, a blatant, you know, nostalgia bait movie. And it absolutely worked. Uh, Optimus Primal <laughs> is the, the coolest motherfucker ever. And when he says maximals maximize, I had a rush of dopamine. Honestly, that I didn't know I still had in me like post 2020, like it, this is like the K two. Uh, and I'm talking about the mountain, not, not the drug, <laughs> but it does work. This is the K two to like captain America lifting Mjolnir of just like, ah, like it's happening <laughs> moments in film. So shout out to that. Uh, second puff, Anthony Ramos's performance uh as noah i really loved it and like he obviously was doing a method like an understudy of 
John Leguizamo's Luigi character from Super Mario Bros. <laughs> because <laughs> I I know I turned to you and I was like, is this John Leguizamo's child? He d- he really does wor- <laughs> like his face sometimes morphs into a little Leguizamo. Both the facial, but even just like the manner of speech, like he nailed obviously like the the Bronx uh, accent. My God, you know, come at wait, me. Are they, New are, in wrong, wait, are they? Wait, I I missed it. Are they? Are they like? Are they from Brooklyn? What's what's the deal? Brooklyn, what's going on? Bro- yeah, Brooklyn, <laughs> baby. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I uh, did they mention it? I I couldn't remember. Yeah, uh, it was it was lost on me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I lived in Jersey. Like this is all hey. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully this will bump up our engagement by me saying that. Um, and then yeah, I will hop on the hate train. Pass was Pete Davidson. Normally, I am pretty good about like separating a you know the performer from the performance, but like I was aware of it through the entire time. Like there was this meta awareness of like, oh, does this pass? Like. Am, am, is he making me forget that it's him? But I was remembering that every time he sh- his character showed up on screen. Uh, and then, like, the little mini pass. The G.I. Joe thing, again, spoilers, whack. Totally but, whack. But I, mean, but, I mean, what if a young uh, person of color from the Bronx could be could be a, 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 a boot boy, too? I mean, like, what, what if that could happen, right? Like, the, only the, through the, the magic of movies. I was going to say, through the magic of our last two movies, you have the two options. You become a criminal with your living relatives, or you join the military. Or you become a fucking <laughs> cop. <laughs> so, yeah, those, those are mine, and I will pass the duchy. Cody. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll get uh, get a little divisive here as I take a big breath in. Uh, something happened to me while I was watching this movie, fellas. It was as we were ramping up for the third act. The character, um, lovingly known as uh, Air Razor, uh, said something, and it was just like uh, like the iron, like in the it, Brad Bird's the Iron Giant. That little lump in my head just like popped right out. My head had a normal shape again, and I was like. My fucking god, that's Michelle Yo. That was Michelle Yo. And then Mirage, the character lovingly known as Mirage, everybody's favorite Mirage, said something. I did not know going in that it was Pete Davidson, and I wow. sat up a little. No, I sat up a little straighter for Michelle Yo, because it was Pete Davidson. I slouched down a little bit. I'm pretty indifferent on Pete Davidson for what it's worth. I don't actively seek out his his work. Um, not my favorite dude in the world for a lot of reasons. I was like, holy fucking shit, that is Pete Davidson. And I went a good chunk of this movie without realizing that it was Pete Davidson. I think in all the ways in which he could, like, I'm not just trying to like lob it up for him. I think there are a lot of different ways in which like, not just Pete Davidson, but a lot of the actors that are not just like, that are um, like kind of stunt casting, not that Michelle Yeoh is stunt casting, but just like, like Peter Dinklage uh, and and the like. I'm like obviously their voices are pretty well disguised, but I feel like everybody threw uh, threw themselves into like actually putting on good vocal performances. Um, and I think it's it's easy to maybe put Pete Davidson as kind of the poster child for that because he is the most obnoxious uh, obnoxious obnoxious excuse me casting job um, for this movie. But like not that he did a great job, but. I was pleasantly surprised by how fine enough of a job that he did okay, to where again okay. I could not I could not pick up on the fact that it was him for a good chunk of the movie. Um so that compared to all of the other Transformers movies that I've seen and have probably forgotten where you can really tell it's just like 
it's either a bad casting job or a bad caricature or like stunt casting where they're just themselves and it's really lazy. I didn't feel like this performance was lazy. Um, not a particularly likable dude, but like uh, he he tried to do something with this performance. And I'm okay uh, being being a, a movie watcher and also a sports fan. I'm a, I'm I'm all for big swings. Uh, so that's that's one very long winded puff um, as I gear up uh, shorter puff. Kind of like how they did with Bumblebee, the fact that this movie attempted to kind of foreground everything with like actual human drama, make these human characters actually characters. Um, that was super cool. Um, you know, kind of hiding the ro- the robotics for a little while, making it, uh, you know, an, an hour of robot nonsense instead of two and a half hours of robot nonsense. I was pretty down for that. Um, it, it, most Most of the way. Because my pass, um, you know, I think I think the the kid did a good job uh, with what he was given, and I feel very sad for the fact that he had um, sickle cell disease. But man, that little kid character just annoyed the ever loving shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you can keep it. the The shit talking a robot kid power nonsense is just not. I I was not a fan of it. It really I don't just it's a particular like kid not i don't want to say kid actor because again i think he like he he really did you know just find what given what was on the page just that style of child characters really um it feels like it was straight out of the 90s and you're just like if you if my if anything happens to my brother i'm gonna kick your ass robot or whatever the hell he says that just (laughs) that just really wore down on me now i they you can keep it um that's that's my pass um again uh, Sorry for his situation, but just like uh, that little shit was annoying. I just have a miniature. You talking about the vocal performances? Uh, just this is gonna I'm trying to think of a good way to segue into. This is like a miniature puff and pass uh, in one performance in general. Optimus Prime, uh, yeah, puffing him doing. The the fucking Sub Zero fatality ripping out Scourge's spine. That was, a and lot. I guess because it's a robot, it's it's PG thirteen because it's oil, not blood. Oh yeah, but I was like, as a, as, a quick, as a quick pause, the beginning of the movie was like some scenes maybe intense for like younger audiences, even though it's PG thirteen. I was like, why are they doing that? And then I knew by the end. Yeah, holy shit uh they yeah you're right they built a lot of human drama but then when the robot drama came out they they no breaks uh but the flip side of that uh peter cullen's vocal performance pass he he was giving me like and i love this character but like i'm aware of what the scripting is he was giving me like john wick vibes where it's like oh he's gonna show up he's going to say the lines that I already know, you know, freedom is the right of all sentient beings and Autobots roll out and we are here, we are waiting, you know, like, and that's it. And I, I felt like maybe it's just cause he's getting older. Felt like there wasn't juice. There wasn't that juice. So have the juice, yeah, gotta have the juice, pretty juicy. Um, as a tangent to that pretty juicy. Uh, I think it's when, Optimus Primal squishes somebody's head. It's one of the henchmen, like uh, Decepticons, or what? It's not the Decepticons this time. No, Scourges. Predacons. 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 Um, and like <laughs> they decided to like foley in some squelching as he's crushing this robot's metal head. And I was like, 
this is this is a little bit beyond the pale that like I what I want is violence. What I want is death. And they know they can't give that to me with a car turned into a robot. So they're giving me like the sounds of real death of like human death in the middle of this movie about the robots. I think your points about um, both vocal performances being like uh, kind of all over the place. Unexpectedly, Peter Collins, I didn't know really what to listen for because I'm not a like long time Transformers stand. Just saw the movie with Shia LaBeouf. I think I played the Platinum Games game and I probably caught some episodes when I was a kid. Uh, and of course, loved the aesthetic of it and had the toys and stuff. But so the voice is not as attached to me. I felt a little bad, maybe feeling like his his voice wasn't hitting at this time. And I think it might just be age. It does sound like it's starting to like get there. Uh, not again, like he's put in his like 50 years as his character or whatever. It's it's it, like he's he's more than earned his pension on it. But um, it brings up to me my like non puff or puff or pass. It's like series wide. Both of you can correct me on this if they've already done this, but I don't think that like having a human nexus for this drama always works for me. I think it's it's kind of like I know I know your point, Cody, about having like a strong like a character that can sort of ground us and then they're swept away by this thing. And I remember seeing that in 2007 with the Shia LaBeouf Transformers, and I'm assuming it happened once or twice in the subsequent like uh, miniseries within there with Mark Wahlberg and shit. I'm assuming that's happened before because it seems to be the structure that they choose for all of these movies. And it just kind of wears thin to where Optimus Prime going absolutely batshit on Scourge at the very end. That's it's it's viscerally appealing. It's a little bit of gross out and it like works in the moment and it means nothing to me. Like all I know about him is the same thing I knew about him 16 years ago. The first time I saw a movie where, where Optimus Prime was like a big, uh, you know, scary robot. Um, It just does not work for me to have. Uh, like, I think honestly, what I need is either a whole movie that's um, the Transformers like struggle and them sort of relating to each other uh, or like just an act structure, one act with the robots, one act with the humans, an act where they come together. And in, in, at the end of the second act, that's when they meet. That's like the point in this movie where like the human is freaked out that his car is driving itself. That should happen later because then I will understand what it means that this guy is so scared of it and. I mean, and this is probably this is why I'm not allowed to direct movies, but I feel like at least that would give me grounding in both stories is like I now understand the stakes for both sides. All I know literally from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, all I didn't know about Optimus Prime and I do try a few times to expose him a little bit. All that I know about Optimus Prime is that he wants to get like his people back to the planet where they came from so that they can help win the war against the bad guys. That's it. Uh, we get nothing from Optimus Prime about it. We get very little like peeks into him from other uh, Autobots. And it's just like this is. I know I'm asking for human drama from something that's not humans, but other movies have done this for a hundred years. And I feel like they could have figured this out by now. It just does not. The, the, the through line of the main character of the human characters doesn't work for me. Unfortunately, I don't, I didn't even look up the actress's name, but I believe Elena, the, uh, the junior archeologist, um, like museum curator girl, she's given nothing in this movie. She's given like the, the, the most pass assed pass of a screen of a script in the world where she's just there to like, have the knowledge to move everybody else a little bit further. And then she gets her reward at the end. And it's just feels disingenuous to have that big a human cast and don't serve them all. Um, it like wants to strike that grave enough tone uh, with, with like the kids sickle cell anemia, like you say. Um, but it also wants you to keep in mind that like we're watching building sized robots fight over an international port key and something in there. Like it does not bear the weight somewhere in there. The stitches start to rip and I, just want to see the, you know, robot blood again. And that's like, maybe not where I should be by a minute, you know, 85 of a 97 minute movie. 
um, I, I've, I'm sure that I've rankled a couple of things out of y'all, uh, and we are getting to. We've spent I, maybe longer on this than we had did on Spider Man, so unexpected. But um, I was actually not paying attention. Whose uh, hand went up first? Uh, I think it was me. I'll, I'll, I'll be quick. I, I want to offer up, you know, hope that that sort of setup is possible. That we're, you know, we can have a Transformers, an entry in the Transformers saga um, that isn't it, it funneled through the point of view of a human character. I think the trouble with that is I do genuinely think, and uh, I mean, a hint of like rose tinted glassesness uh, aside, like I think the first Transformers movie is, it's not a masterpiece or anything, but I think it is successful and it is like a good enough like version of, you know, like we're going to foreground human characters uh, for a little while um, and then like slowly integrate the the robotics piece of it. And then the, the trouble with that is, you know, sticking with those characters, not like foreground like uh, i don't know my memory of this is a bit fuzzy um anybody here seth feel free to correct me um you seem to be a bit of a you seem to be a bit of a transformers head uh yourself not to suggest that i am but just like with the sequels it's like sam's in college now and he and uh you know megan fox's character having relationship trouble and then like like cutting the corners there gay like it, it felt like or like the people Michael Bay and friends, they seem to think that, oh, we're like kind of skirting this. So we're just like going to go all in on lore. We're going to fly by the seat of our pants, make really convoluted stories and plot lines and like jump through all sorts of robotic hoops, which is, I mean, not for nothing like this. The plot in Rise of the Beast was hard to follow uh, at times, like get like laying out the, the groundwork for what Act 3 was and the reason we were doing all this. I didn't follow most of that. Um, I, I would like to say that. But I, I, I knew that they had to fight some robots, and that's that's plenty. Um, and that's like that ramped up a lot. Uh, that ramped up times a lot in like those other Michael Bay directed sequels. Um, you get a lot of that, you know, cutting out, you know, taking shortcuts with the human side of it, and then just like not really hitting the right mixture. So I think I think it is possible. I think it, you know, it makes sense. It made sense with Bumblebee because like Haley Steinfeld is like a noble name and she's extremely talented and like anchoring your, you know, the, the, uh, you know, CGI vocal acting, I, John Cena's, uh, in Bumblebee as well, if memory serves, like having those two as your human counterparts. And I feel like this is, you know, it didn't, not everything landed, but I feel like this is a step in the right direction to where you are having, you know, not that Anthony Ramos uh, and Dominique Fishback, I, like they've done work up to this point, none of which that I'm particularly familiar with, but they're not like complete unknowns. Um, but I think that this is like for everything that it is and isn't, I, I feel like it is getting closer to that where we can maybe have these as standalone robot adventures someday. Maybe. Um, well, we'll see, though. It's a noble pursuit. Um, the noblest, you, some would say. The only, The only thing... I just like th this is just the smallest aside. You guys probably have looked up the cast, so you probably know where this is going. But you talked about stunt casting performances. You know who completely flew under my radar as a voice of Optimus Primal in this fucking movie? Was it? Uh, was it? And I, I haven't looked up the cast list. Was it Ron Ron Perlman? Yeah, you yeah. better believe it. Guy rocks. I, I not for a second like. I was completely off the set. Really? I thought that it was maybe like Roger Craig Smith. I thought it was like an actual voice actor. Um, I was like, oh yeah, he doesn't have too many lines. He's a secondary Optimus Prime character. Like they could, they could throw a bone to the actual professionals in the trade. Yeah. Uh, 
but I mean, I guess Ron Perlman's been doing voice work for quite some time, so yeah. he's 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 put in his work. He was in uh, Incredible Hulk: Ultimate Destruction on the Nintendo GameCube. He was he in played- Fallout Three. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, the far less known and less creatively yeah. acclaimed video <laughs> game. Uh, well, I, unless anybody else has any final, um, what's what's some? I mean, stems and seeds I already used. What's some good mm-hmm. weed vernacular for like the the last remaining bits? Like, well, yeah, it's just like, can you get one last hit before you you sure. ash this? I, <laughs> let's what, let's ash well, this. Yeah, what are I don't know if this is too ambitious. I have a tag on Letterbox for this, which makes it a little bit easy. But like my movie past journey up to this point. Oh, um, wow! So I, I'll, I'm not going to give full like you know mm-hmm. reviews or discussion thesis level you know breakdowns of everything. But just since uh, since March first, um, shout out to Movie Pass for making making it easier for me to see Magic Mike's Last Dance, Scream Six, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Cocaine Bear. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, the Super Mario Bros. movie, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, Kelly Reichardt showing up, a movie of the year up to this point. Uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, Bo is Afraid, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Master Gardener, You Hurt My Feelings, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and 2023's Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Damn, you are picking the right showtimes. I'm usually picking like, oh, it's a Friday night at 7. Uh, I cannot do movie past that. Yeah, Saturday afternoon, 90-second walk from from my front Brother, door. It's, and, it's the optimal situation. And that's going to be just a few blocks from you doing that. So you, you'll get your you'll get your That's fucking right. Soon, soon enough. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth. I think you and I have used movie pass entirely around each other since since this year's uh, new new thing. We, we did Knock at the Cabin. Um, we did the Shazam movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Might that be it? Completely? No, e- uh, I think I think we did Evil Dead Rise. Evil or Dead. Did we did we book uh, those tickets? I think ahead I of got time? I think I got tickets ahead of time because I had a friend okay. coming. Um, uh, I tried with Transformers not to give Movie Pass too much negative press. Um, I'm not sure how much more they need. Tried with Transformers and uh, and it did not work. Oh, classic. Uh, Air. Ah, yes, um, Air. Nice. And then I also joined you for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, 65. We saw that together. Oh Ooh. my goodness. Yeah. yeah. That one, I'm going to talk about that one at the end of the year. Oh, Holy and shit. we saw Shazam Fury of the Gods as well uh-huh, uh-huh. because we couldn't see. Uh, was it 65 that day? We tried to see 65 the first time and it didn't yes. pan out. Yeah. Yeah. Like the app showed a time that wasn't at the theater. Yep. So. Uh, if this is, I don't know if this is an advertisement uh, or or like a PSA yeah, against us. it, but like movie pass. This yeah. is how this is how movie, movie pass. You lazy fucks. You L- need all the money, money you can get. <laughs> Cody has had yeah. incredibly good success just seeing movies again with movie pass. Uh, we have had less concerted effort and less success as a result. But um, hey, go check it out. Before you do any of that, though, check out Trial of Podcast on Twitter, where you can find. Stuff from all three of us and more. Um, check out the main feed. We talk about movies. I don't know if I'm, pre- well, I'm pretending like new people would listen to this. We talk about movies that play at the Trial and Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's a repertory theater, so you're going to see a lot of old movies there, a lot of lesser seen movies. Um, and this is where we get to vent about uh, current movies like Fast X, Spider-Verse, and Transformers Rise of the Beast. Yeah, um, don't try to use MoviePass at the trial on Barry. Is Barry will laugh at you and John Moret will kick your fucking ass. They will They will laugh at you in cash only, LMAO. Uh, it is funny that it still shows up in the app. <laughs> what are you, where are you supposed to it, fucking uh, use it? So, so does the Uptown Theater, RIP. They, oh, yeah? like, they did not scrub that theater list clean. Yikes. They just cast a wide net. If it, do, if it doesn't work, 
screw it. Uh, don't blame <laughs> us. Hi, I'm John Movie Pass. Hi, I'm John Movie Pass. I have one thing to say to you. Smoke weed every day. Thank you so much for listening to Puff Puff Movie Pass. Uh, you can catch us maybe again next time. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we have uh, regular episodes in the regular feed. You're listening to it. Tell us what you thought of this because we want to know. Uh, and if you want to do this with us sometime, let us know what you're seeing. And maybe you can. Who knows? My name is Jason Daphnis. You can find me on Twitter and into Doofus. Find the main podcast feed at Trilove Podcast. Yeah, buddy. I've been Cody Narvis, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. And I am Satsurati. You can find me online everywhere at SMZarati. I didn't think about how we're going to end this. Oh, yeah, that, I, I, for a moment, I, I hope because I didn't discuss with you. Hope you would have. Um, well, here. Uh, oh, no. Hold on. Hold on. Um, <clears throat> Maximals. Maximize. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I sign off.